What's up, my good peoples? Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast. I am James Anderson. And today we are talking about follow through. Follow through is very necessary for the people of God. It's very necessary to live life on purpose. And it's very necessary um, to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. Follow through. I mean, follow through being you have an idea some vision, a mission, you commit to realizing it and then you put your plan into action and you work it all the way through to completion, follow through, right? I mean, anything that's ever been created necessitated follow through. And you think about some of the crazy things. I mean, every invention, right? Something that at one time didn't exist, like the potential of it existed and somebody saw the possibility, and then worked it into a reality, like follow through. You know, Edison and the light bulb, which I feel like there's all kinds of different ideas about Edison and what he did. But it seems like he, uh, there was a light bulb already existed and it was, it would like explode. And so he was working on um, making a, a commercial light bulb that, you know, didn't explode. And this last this last article I read about it or whatever it was saying, it took him like 2,000 tries. And you think about the follow-through required to ha- have 2,000 attempts. It requires belief, one, that it's possible, and two, just like the discipline to continue to show up and prove your commitment all the way till completion and and mission success, if you will. I mean, every giant endeavor, you know, like the the pyramids or uh, a skyscraper, just some massive structure that, you know, took years uh, to, to make and erect. It's just the, the amount of follow through and dedication and focus that's necessary to achieve that. It's, it's kind of, it's mind blowing. But on the other hand, it's like, it's proof. It's proof that it's possible. And beautiful things are created because of follow through. And so today, that's what we're getting into. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy, Paul's writing a letter to Timothy. Paul left Timothy in charge, gave him some duties and some responsibilities. And this letter is really, it's like he's trying to re-encourage Timothy to get into the things that he got in, that he was called to get into. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Paul writes, this is, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, he's like, hey, man, you got to stir up your gift, right? That, that, that seems like Timothy maybe got a little bit of, got a little bit unsure of his ability or got a little unsure about his calling and what he's been called to. And, you know, if he has kind of like the ability to get into it, get, get, you know, like maybe he got into a little bit of identity crisis, like, eh, maybe I don't got those gifts. Eh, maybe I can't do that. You know, maybe, you know, we'll just let these other guys take charge. And Paul's right. I mean, he's like, bro, you got to stir up that gift, right? 
he's like, you got this gift inside of you, but you have to stir it up. Like you, that, that word stir it up also means to rekindle. <clears throat> but if you think about like a glass of lemonade, let's just pretend we're going to make one, right? You get a cup, put some water in it, you know, you get some lemon juice and some sugar. So you got these three ingredients. They're all in one cup, but they're not mixed together. So, you know, you got to get a spoon and stir it up. And through that, that concentrated attention, it fuses all three flavors together. But let's just say, you know, you know, you take a sip of that lemonade and then you put it in the fridge and you forget about it for a couple of days. Well, when you're in the fridge looking for something tasty, you know, you spot that glass of lemonade in the back of the fridge. And you're like, oh, grab it, take a sip. And you're like, Ugh. you know, it tastes like watered down lemonade. It's pretty gross. Well, what happened? What happened was that that glass kind of got it got neglected. It got left alone. And all the three ingredients are still in there, but the sugar sank back to the bottom, the, the lemon juice and the water separated. And so what's necessary is to re-engage those flavors, which requires a stirring up. So Paul's like, hey, man, you got to pay special attention to your gift. You got to remember who you are and what you're called to get into, right? You got to rekindle that fire, re, you know, fan into flame that gift because it's in you. He says, look, man, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, right? Like of timidity, this thing that would cause you to shrink back, uh, to stay, take steps back, to second guess yourself, your call, to second guess and cast off confidence and identity, right? He's like, no, no, no. If you're operating in that fear, it's most likely because you neglected your gift. You're looking around, you're like, all right, I'm supposed to do this, this, and this. And you start looking around at like, at, at what your results are. And you're like, dude, I don't got any of those results. And then based upon what you don't see, you start making these conclusions. You're like, well, you know, maybe, it, maybe I don't got that gift. Maybe, you know, maybe shoot, maybe I didn't actually hear God. Maybe that was just me. Ugh. <laughs> That's ugly. Just like all of a sudden, you know, due to the neglect of the gift, you know, you start casting off all this confidence and that's what creates and generates that, that spirit of fear. But dude, the spirit of fear is, is an inaccurate spirit. It's the wrong spirit to marinate in. It's the wrong spirit to conform your identity to. It's the wrong spirit to behold yourself in the mirror. So Paul's like, look, bro, we ain't got, we've been, we have not been given the spirit of fear. So stir up the gift, right? Instead, we've been given the spirit of power, love, and self-control. Now this, this is powerful, man. I've been marinated in this stuff and this stuff, some of this stuff is kind of was blowing my mind. So check this out. All right, power. We got the, the spirit of power, love, and self-control. All right, power. That word power is the Greek word dunamis, which I believe is where you get the word dynamite from. All right, this word dunamis, power, means force, miraculous power ability, abundance, meaning, like as in purpose, mighty deed, worker of miracles, power, strength, violence, mighty or wonderful work. He says, bro, we ain't got, we ain't got the spirit of fear, but of power, of like a miraculous power, ability, abundance, purpose, mighty deed, worker of miracles, power, strength, mighty work. 
ability. The spirit of ability. You see, God never, whatever God calls you to, he gives you the ability to get into. Now, I think when we, when we discover our call, our, our purpose, and we start to discover vision, right? You start to see vision kind of as like a, a matured concept. And sometimes you can sit around waiting for that matured concept to appear, but that's that matured concept is, is, is the picture of what you're working towards, but you have to create that. It's not just going to happen. It's what you have is a seed that's, that when cultivated and tended to and cared for and developed turns into the tree. So power is the ability, but just like Paul's telling Timothy, he's like, bro, you got to stir up that gift. You got to use it and develop it. So power is the ability. Then he goes into love, right? We got the spirit of love. Now this, this is interesting. All right. So just like, you know, out of, Romans, no, 1 Corinthians 13, right? Um, it says, love suffers long, it's kind, it does not envy, it, it does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Um, and w- one of the translations, I'm pretty sure it says, you know, love keeps no record of wrong. Now, but this is blowing my mind because I was thinking about Jesus said, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is blowing my mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what is love? Love always believes. It always hopes, right? It keeps no record of wrong. This is fascinating. Love keeps no record of wrong. If you constantly view yourself based upon your past failures, you're viewing yourself from the wrong spirit. If you don't picture yourself succeeding, you're viewing yourself with an incorrect lens. You do not need to consult your past when you're picturing your future. It's very necessary to hold on to the promises, hold on to the words that God's spoken to you, right? These things, yeah, heck yeah, man. This is the part of of rekindling and keeping the fire burning, the tending it, right? Is yeah, you got to remember those things and cultivate it. But like we're not looking at 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 marinating in our past mess ups and our mistakes, misdeeds, whatever, right? Love keeps no record of wrong. But if you hold a record of wrong for yourself, it's going to cause you to have a skewed self-concept. And that's based off of an incorrect spirit. This is interesting. So love is the mentality. It's the perspective of your attitude towards yourself, which then is reflected towards how you see others. Love always believes, right? It believes. It believes. It sees the potential and knows that it's possible, and all you have to do is work towards it. 
But that's how you have to view yourself. But if you have a greater belief in the idea that you can't do it, like, yeah, well, maybe, I, you know, maybe God did give me the gift, but, you know, because, but I still can't do it, right? You're holding yourself. You're beholding yourself with a perverted lens. That is very interesting. So love is the mentality, right? Because you got to see yourself correctly. You got to see yourself how God sees you. Some people think like, some people justify their bad theology. They'll they'll justify their incorrect identity. And they'll say, well, you know, that's what keeps me reverent towards God is my brokenness or seeing myself less than God sees me. And that's just... That conclusion came from hell. And the purpose of it is is to distract you from seeing who you really were created to be. If we think it's okay to justify what we believe, when we can clearly see that it's contrary to what God said, there's a big problem. You don't want to justify something that's incorrect or counterfeit, something that maybe is very common, but just because something's common, man, doesn't make it normal. doesn't make it correct. Some things have an outward appearance of righteousness or they have an outward appearance of somehow aiding you in becoming more holy. But in fact, they're destructive they whittle away at your self-concept and they keep you it they keep you in that spirit of fear it actually maintains and sustains the spirit of fear so don't yeah don't don't justify a low self-concept adjust to the correct self-concept where we were made in the image of god and we were born again to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So love, right? Love is the mentality. Next is self-control. Self-control, that word self-control also means sound mind and discipline. So self-control is defined as the ability to control oneself, in particular, one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. (laughs) It's powerful. Self-control is the ability to control yourself, your emotions and your desires and the expression of them in your behavior, in what you say and what you do, especially in difficult situations. Right? Self-control under like perfect circumstances, you know, like there's, there's nothing challenging you're like, bam, I, I got self-control. Self-control is really proved in the difficult situations, right? When things get a little frustrating, how you handle it, what you say and what you do, right? It's self-control is the ability to control your emotions and your desires. <laughs> this is the spirit we've been given. Come on, somebody. 
Oh my gosh. Self-control. What? What else it means? It means sound mind. Sound mind is blowing my mind. Check this out. Sound mind. Legally having the capacity to think, reason, and understand for one's self. The capacity to think, reason, and understand for yourself. (laughs) That's legit, man. We're talking about your ability to self-evaluate, to evaluate correctly with the right perspective, the right mentality, right? Love, but not like delusion, but to be able to look at the situation correctly, look at yourself, what you're doing, what's the fruit that it's bringing, right? Where do I want to go? What And what do I want to achieve? And is what I'm doing actually achieving what I want to achieve, right? Like, A sound mind has the ability and the capacity to actually ask these questions and consider the truth, not to get all bent out of shape or get depressed or downcast or go into a negative downward spiral, because that would be, that would be useless to self-evaluate if that's where you end up. Self-evaluation helps you become more effective and more efficient. So the point of self-evaluation is just to make sure that If you need a course correct, you course correct. The whole point of course correction is so that you end up at the destination that you're actually aiming for. Like none of this stuff is like a beat down or brutal or, you know, like, you know, take you out to the woodshed. It's, it's the process in just in being effective. So the other thing that word self-control means is, is discipline, self-discipline, right? Which is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. The ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite the temptation to abandon it. Man, this is like powerful. This is the spirit that we've been given. I mean, this is such a spirit of ability, of abundance, of power, of, you know, this miracle worker, this, the... The, the dunamis, it's just like it's you can see how it's expressed in the perspective and attitude of love and with the work ethic of self-control. Like this is like this is the spirit that we've been given. This is the spirit that we have to adjust to. We got to learn how to think and operate in. This is how we got to when we look ourselves look at ourselves in the mirror, the reflection, the perspective, and the concept that we see back, right, needs to follow with power, a worker of miracles. Mighty, strong, powerful, abundant, full of ability, mighty deeds, meaning, right? You look at yourself and that, that's who you see. Somebody who's got love, who's looking at themselves in the correct image and looking at other people, right? Not stuck in the past, living in the now and creating the future. Full of discipline and self-control in your mind. You're keeping your mind and your emotions in check. You're in control, not them or your environment. But you shape your environment in order to keep your fire ablaze. Yeah, so the spirit of power, love, and self-control. Power is the ability. Love is the mentality. And self-control is the work ethic. It's your ability to show up, right? Self-discipline, 
is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses, the ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite the temptation to abandon it, right? So this is like the whole thing about self-control is that in a time where you want to freak out, you don't. But that means that you kind of want to freak out, right? Like self-discipline is the ability to show up even though sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, I could kind of quit. But you just get over that and you say, no, whatever I've been given to do, I've been given the ability to do. So I'm going to kill it. Come on, somebody. Right? Like you're able to adjust your thinking to keep yourself on track, right? The ability to self-regulate. So power is the ability. Love is the mentality. And self-control is the work ethic. Now, these three keys, right? As you use these, these keep you focused and moving in the, in the right direction. But it's when we neglect these and we start to believe some of those, those, those bad ideas that we also stop kind of creating forward progress. And when you stop making forward progress, you start thinking, you know, you start looking around thinking about, well, you know, I haven't really accomplished anything. I've been thinking about it for a while, but I haven't done anything. Well, maybe... Maybe I don't got those gifts. Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe that was just me. Maybe, you know, whatever. Maybe I just need to go back to the drawing board. Maybe I just need to give up. What's that? Right? You 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 marinate in that too long, and then you start to be afraid to move forward. Because then you start thinking about, no, but I, but I heard from God. But now you're like, no, no, I probably can't do it, or I'm going to fail, or oh, maybe I'm walking out of, you know, God's will. Right? And it just creates that spirit of fear, which, you know, is very easy to get emotionally connected to that. And you start to get emotionally connected to that. You feel that, that fear and that anxiety. And you think, well, well, maybe it's true. Maybe what I'm feeling is correct. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit, right? And you just go into total identity crisis. But here's where follow through needs to take place, right? When you find yourself in the spirit of fear and timidity, right? you know that those are the wrong thoughts, right? That's the wrong spirit. So those things can become indicators. They can become like uh, flags, you know, a warning sign. It's like, oh, you know, maybe I don't got that gift. Oh, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> that thought's self-destructive. <clears throat> and you got to stop, right? You got to employ the sound mind. You got to think about the attitude of the heart and mentality. You got to think about the heart of God and the perspective of God. It's like, all right, so what? All right. You got to think about the fire. You got to think about now we got to rekindle that bad boy. So follow through, right? Follow through is what's necessary to kind of take an idea and work it through to completion. So follow through see here, here's what can happen like when you when we talk about like living on purpose and grabbing hold of some vision really vision vision is a dream that you committed to realizing a dream is generated from um imaginings and your imaginings are generated from ideas so you can get an idea, right? And especially, man, people have got, right? Like we're, you're intentionally seeking out ideas because ideas become things. And ideas create solutions to problems, right? We're looking for beyond just what is. 
but what could be and what should be. And then we want to pull that stuff into reality, but you need follow through to do that. And here's one of the kind of, I keep wanting to say pitfall. I don't know if pitfall is the right word. Sounds a little, um, a little ominous, but one of the things that can happen in dreaming and coming up with ideas is that ideas, you know, they, they, they have this like this quick jolt of energy to them. So maybe you get an idea, you work it in your imagination. You're like, bam, man, I can see this. Look, we could solve this problem. Here's, you know, and it's something related to your gift. And you're thinking, man, if, 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 if we did this, 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 and this, right, you start to like work it out. You start to consider the process. Man, if we did this, 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 and this, man, this could create this. We could generate some income over here. We could have some impact. And this is how we could create influence, you know, and you get all excited. But what happens is after a couple of days, you know, as you're working through just some of the details and to create a plan, that excitement starts to fade. And as that excitement starts to fade, so does the progress. Because uh, it's easy to dream and dreaming is part of it. And it's very necessary, but there's no risk involved in dreaming. There's a bit more risk involved in action, but you need dreaming to figure out what actions to take, but then you need commitment and follow through. But what can happen though, is that as the excitement fades, so does the progress. So you've got like most of a plan, but then, you know, it just, the excitement fizzles out. So, so does the work. Well, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever, another idea comes in, bam, it's exciting, right? These ideas, man, it's just like, man, the possibilities of what could be. And you start working it out. You're like, man, if we did this, this, and this, maybe this is the answer to our problem. And as you're working it out, as the days go by, the excitement starts to dwindle down and then so does the progress. <laughs> well, shoot. You can find you that the the it just process just keeps happening, and over time you find man throughout the year, you know you're like man I got a dozen half baked ideas, but like nothing to show for it. And the problem is follow through. Committing to the idea and then working it to completion. Now not every idea is worth pursuing, right? But when you grab hold of something, an idea, some vision, a solution to a problem, it's going to require follow through to bring that thing into fruition, fruition, you know, into, into reality, whatever that word is. So what do we need to follow through? Well, one you need an idea, right? You need some vision. But then two, you need to commit to that vision. Now, how do you know if like a vision, it's from God or, or you know, is it just uh, an idea that was exciting? Well, if it sticks with you, even after it gets hard, after some conflict, after some trial, after some struggle, after some trial and error, after some, some problem solving, if it's still there, there's a good chance that bad boy came from God. If at the first sign of trouble, trouble or labor, <laughs> you're like, forget it. Then it probably, then it, it probably wasn't, you know, an idea worth pursuing. 
because the stuff from God, man, that, that stuff's, it sticks with you, man. It, it nags at you. It, it's, it's like, you know, the Holy Spirit, he kind of elbows you, you know, just a little elbow, just gentle. It's just super gentle, man. It's just, but it's just like this constant, like, Hey, you remember that? Hey, you remember that idea? Hey, remember, remember we're going to do this? Hey, you remember it? The things that God has for us, man, they just, they require follow through. They require our attention. I mean, if we go back to last time's podcast, taking over new territory, God took Israel out of Egypt for the explicit purpose to take them into the promised land. Well, it was easy to get Israel out of Egypt, but it became challenging to get them into the promised land. It's because all they had to do was follow God out of Egypt. Like it, it, it didn't require too much. It definitely ran into some big trust problems, but to be able to get into the promised land to the life of abundance it required work and it required trust and that's the thing they struggled with and that's still the same struggle that we have to discover and overcome is trust and work People kind of chalk it up sometimes to like, you know, they'll have some vision or whatever and it didn't happen. Like, well, you know, God will just, you know, he'll just do what he wants to do. There's plenty of things that God wants to do and there's plenty of things that God shared with us, but man, they require our effort and our attention. So to get into the promised land, right? You know, God's like, hey man, I'm taking this land, flowing milk and honey, but look, you're going to have to, you're going to have to displace all the people who were there. You're going to have to kick them out. I'm going to deliver them into your hand. But God, it was easy for God to deliver them into Israel's hand. But the initiation of the deliverance was that Israel would actually go to war. Well, they got to the promised land and they sent spies in. Spies were like, look, man, everything God said was for real. The land is just, it's massively abundant, but the people are huge. So what is that? That's a trust issue. Because God said, look, I'm going to deliver them into your hand. Don't even worry about it. But because they refused to go, God couldn't deliver the, the, the people into their hand. They couldn't take the new territory, not because God didn't want to give it to them, but because they wouldn't take responsibility. Follow through requires responsibility. It also requires that we become very confident in our ability to hear God's voice. Sound mind, right? Legally having the capacity to think, reason, and understand for yourself. We have to be able to be to hear God's voice and be confident in what we heard, right? To be able to commit to it. We don't want to be people who sit around and wait for permission when we've already been commissioned. Sometimes it's like just through a conditioned mindset. 
it's possible to think like somebody else has to, you know, tell you what to do or somebody else has to confirm your vision or somebody else has to, you know, give you your instructions. But the, the mystery that was hidden throughout the ages, but now revealed was Christ in you. The spirit of God living inside of you. So our ability as individuals to hear the voice of God is not only very possible, but it's very necessary. It's the thing that makes you a leader. It's the thing that gives you insight into situations. It gives you insight into the surroundings. It causes you to consider, why are we doing this? <laughs> you know, why, why do we think like this? Is this the best way to do something? Is this, I mean, here, here's what we say we're accomplishing, but is that actually what we're accomplishing? Like it causes you to become a leader because it causes you to consider your circumstances and surroundings and the fruit that the work is actually producing and consider, do we need to adjust? But what can happen is that in a conditioned mindset of, you know, imposed discipline that we, we never really take responsibility that maybe you see something wrong, but then but then we're just kind of conditioned where we think it's somebody else's responsibility. Well, I can see that's wrong, but you know, maybe I should just, you know, let somebody else know. It's like you, so, you know, people complain, write letters like, ah, you know, this is wrong. This is bad. This is no, no, that's, that's not the point of awareness. Awareness is step number one and being able to change. Self-discipline, self-control, sound mind. It's the ability to see what needs to be done and then do it. We got to get confident in hearing God's voice. And we got to learn how to walk in it. And not apologize for it. Still operating in the in the attitude of love, but just not in ignorance. There's no benefit to ignorance. All right, I'm about to boost this bad boy up about 10%, right? We're going to put on the NOS, all right, to follow through. Check this out. Let me see if I can find it. It's here somewhere. Okay, Romans 8, 37. You ready for this? Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Follow through. We are more than conquerors. All right, check this out. The word conquer, conqueror, more than conquerors, that saying, whatever. The Greek word, oh, who can, who can pronounce this? Huppernico. It's <laughs> perfect pronunciation. It means to vanquish beyond gain a decisive victory more than conquerors that's what that word means to vanquish beyond all right check this out vanquish means to defeat thoroughly to conquer or subdue by superior force in battle so to vanquish beyond means to not only thoroughly defeat 
whatever it is you you came up against but to continue to move forward all right conqueror conquer the word conquer means to over overcome and take control of a place or people by use of military force to gain victory over surmount master or overcome now a conqueror is the person who conquers it's the winner of a war or the leader of a vanquishing army <laughs> that's what it means when it says we are more than conquerors i don't know if you've ever you know people sing a song we're more than conquerors but then they go around and live a life that's defeated there's a really big problem with that So it's, it's important to understand who we are, to grow in knowledge and understanding. It's necessary so that we're not ignorant and that our actions aren't based and our self-concept isn't based out of ignorance, out of hearsay, but out of truth, out of diligent study to seek out the truth of who we are, who God said we are. What's our mentality? How should we think? How should we act? Right? We got to learn these things. Miles Monroe in his book, Rediscovering the Kingdom, uh, he talks about Miles grew up in the Bahamas and the Bahamas was under the rule of the British Empire. So uh, the Bahamas was actually a colony of... Great Britain, which is a kingdom, which the kingdom of heaven, right, is also a kingdom. And so, yeah, so he has great insight into what a kingdom is because of his experience in the kingdom. So he talks about um, royalty, right? When we become born again, right, when we become children of God. In, um, in Romans 8, 14, Right? For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And later in Romans 8, it talks about how those he, he, he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, who was the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. So Jesus became our brother, and we became his younger brothers and sisters. And Jesus is king. God the Father, right, is our father. And we're his children, right? We all become princes and princesses, but not in this fake fairy tale Disney type of concept. I mean, for reals. And so he talks about, Miles talks about in his book, how, you know, when, when the queen was pregnant, before the child was born, right? It, it, it had its attendants were um, already assigned to the child. And as soon as that child came out, the attendants would address the child as your majesty. I mean, baby, as a baby, right? First comes out, can't hold your head up, you know, is <laughs> eating poop and sleep. They're addressing the child as your majesty. Then the child grows. It, it's nurtured and cared for by these attendants and these attendants, right? They're, 
they're teaching the child the ways of royalty because the ways of royalty or anyways, really, they're not innate in that it's like you don't automatically know how to talk. You don't automatically know how to do math. You know, where you grow up and the environment you grow up determines what language you speak, determines your priorities, your work, right? Like your environment affects your development. It's called environmental conditioning. So in the same way, these children are taught from birth how to become royal, right? So the quality of your training, whether you grew up in royal in a royal family or not, affects who you become. Well, it has a big impact. It's not the it's not the end factor by any means, but it has a big impact on how you think, right? So the Israelites came out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in the Israelites. That mentality, the slave and the bondage mentality was still there. And that's what ended up disqualifying them for the prize that God had qualified them for. But the point is, is training, right? You got to get trained. So these kids, man, the uh, royalty sits in a chair in a certain way. They eat food with a certain etiquette. Right. Royalty never has to raise their voice because they have authority. And so what they say is obeyed. Look, they're learning these things. They're being trained in the ways that they are to act based upon the standards that the royal family has. All right. Well, in that same way, we too must be trained in who we actually are. And so a a definite hindering (laughs) to this process of actually being transformed by the renewing of your mind is your, is our old mindset. And then where you get your training (laughs) matters because the quality of the information matters. But in that way that those children must be trained in the way to think and act and to behave, so too we must be trained, right? And that's the whole point of the Holy Spirit, who's the guide, the counselor, who leads us into all truth. But you do have to follow. It's your choice to follow. But so this, this, this principle of being more than conquerors is part of who we are as children of God. Follow through. This is a principle of, of, of the kingdom, right? Like these things we're talking about today, I mean, power, love, self-control, right? These things, these are kingdom principles. Like these aren't going to change. The rug's not going to get pulled out from underneath you. This is true today, just like it was true when Paul said it, just like it'll be true in the future. Like these things are true. So they're worth taking notes on and then they're worth reviewing and cultivating because they need to become a part of who you are. That's the training process. We want to be conformed to the image of the son. Well, if that's true, then we got to learn how he thinks and we got to start thinking like he thinks. This is the process. And so this, this, this idea of being conquerors, it's necessary. Check this out. A conqueror is somebody who goes on conquest. 
a conqueror is somebody who initiates forward progress, right? They, they see where they want to go and then they go. That's a conqueror, right? It's, it, it doesn't say we're more than defenders where you just kind of sit back passively and, you know, if somebody comes and attacks you, then you're like, okay, we're going to fight. No, it says we're more than conquerors. That's where you take positive ground on purpose. And it sure as heck doesn't say we're more than defeated. Oh, we're a slave to sin. Self-control. Self-control said the ability to control oneself. Self-control also is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a byproduct of the Spirit of God in you. In particular, one's one you, the ability to control one's emotions and desires or the expression of them in one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. Self-discipline, the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weaknesses. The ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite the temptation to abandon it. When we were baptized, we died the death that Jesus died. Jesus' resurrection brought everlasting life. There's a big group of people who think Life doesn't begin until Jesus returns. Don't be one of those people. Yes, there's a completion that comes when Jesus comes. But as Jesus did on this earth, so my good peoples, we are called to do. There's a purpose and there's a mission. God's goal wasn't, isn't to get us to heaven. Otherwise, when you were born again, he would have swapped you up, swooped you up. But he didn't. Because man was not made for heaven. Man was made for earth. That was the purpose, the mandate in Genesis. That's what Jesus restored. Forgiveness was not the main, was not the main purpose. It was the initiation. It, it's like the beginning of a process. Now, it gets you into new life. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, not leaving the earth to go to the kingdom. No, the kingdom of heaven came inside of you. And now we're representatives of the kingdom. You represent God, which means you represent the ways of the king on earth. But that means we have to become experts in the ways of of God, who is our father. It's not just about the work. It's, it's first about the identity, but in identity is also work. And it's like your identity is kind of also developed in your work. It's like, it all just works together in this beautiful, in a beautiful way. So more than conquerors, conquerors are people who initiate forward progress. So conquerors have some kind of mission, right? Some kind of vision. Like you got to seek out vision and then we have to intentionally work towards it. But here's the thing about a conqueror. <laughs> a conqueror wins. Now I said a conqueror wins. To vanquish, right? That word hokum hikum hikahaki means to vanquish beyond. 
Vanquish means to defeat thoroughly, to conquer, subdue by superior force. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go. Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. And Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. A conqueror is one who sets out and has victory, gains a victory, masters and overcomes, has a decisive victory. Now, obviously, we're not talking about like conquering people, right? Unless you're in the military. But the battle isn't against flesh and blood, right? But against the spiritual forces of darkness, right? That, that pollute people's minds into believing things that are inaccurate. These high and lofty things that set themselves up against the truth of who God says we are, who he is, what this life is about. So a conqueror wins. Now, if you think about like war, there's many battles, right? And you might not win every battle, but a conqueror continues to work through the battles until he wins the war. And that's the thing about follow through is, man, you, you can get an idea of what, you know, you should get into some vision. And then you can quickly start to see things that you, <laughs> you didn't see before. There's like there's other variables that you just didn't know existed just because you, you just didn't know. And you have to be able to work through those things without like losing yourself in identity crisis in that spirit of fear. It's not a big deal to like find yourself in it. It's just, you want to be able to recognize it and then shift from the spirit of fear into power, love and self-control, right? You want to get back into stirring up that gift. You want to rekindle the fire. You know, you it's possible to spend too much attention on negativity and failure. And I, you know, here's the list of 1000 reasons why I can't do it. And I'm the, I'm the wrong person for it. Right. Maybe your fire needs a little bit of kindling, throw that list in, right? Use that bad boy to stoke up that fire. Don't frame it, burn it. So if you spend too much attention on the spirit of fear, then the fire starts to get quenched, right? It's almost like you're kind of throwing water at it. So rekindle that bad boy, let go of the fear and get back into the mentality of who we are, man. We're more than conquerors, right? You start to think, man, maybe I, no, maybe I don't got those gifts. You're like, no, 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 you shut up. <laughs> I'm more than a conqueror. A conqueror vanquishes, come it defeats completely. I've got self-control, sound mind, whatever I've been called to. I got the ability to get into, come on. I was made for discipline, to be diligent, creative, to produce value, to be dependable. That's who I am. That's what I'm talking about. This is the stuff you marinate in. You say it over and over. What is that? What happens? With that repetition, man, you're training your, your subconscious to adopt the truth. And it overwrites and uproots the counterfeit. And that's how we get out of the spirit of fear and back into the truth. You got to rekindle that fire, which means you have to remember what you're doing, why you're doing it, who you're, who you, who God's called you to be, 
what he's called you to get into. And then you got to get into it. So a conqueror has a mission, right? They got vision. And then there's the commitment to work it out. Now, commitment is proved through action, but a conqueror actually wins. So the mentality then of a conqueror is that taking action once is great, but you need the consistent action to create progress. So not only must you commit and take action, but you also must mix discipline and perseverance with that action so that you're continually showing up and you're continually working it out. Even if you're like, man, I don't even know what to do. I don't know where to go. You know, I don't, you know, I just, I just feel like sleeping in. I just want to watch TV. What, you know, you just, all these things, right? What's self-discipline? It's in the moment of that you show up anyways. So maybe you're like, Frank, I don't know what to do, or I've tried, or I just, I'm not motivated. You're like, all right, boom. So for a half hour every day, I'm going to go down and I'm just going to, I'm going to work it out. First day, whatever. You don't feel like it. It sucks. Nothing. You sit there for a half hour and you're like, all I want to do is leave. But every day you keep showing up. Be like, come on, let's do it again. Half hour. Boom, boom, boom. You keep working it. You keep putting in the reps and then bam, start getting some ideas. Boom. It starts to flow. Some work starts to happen. Boom. And you keep showing up. You make a little bit of progress. Now, here's where you got to kick in some follow through. Because it's easy to slip back into the habit of procrastination. Follow through means you show up. It's like you, you, you go for a few days and then it's the weekend. You take a break and you're like, oh, you know, you do. You go a little bit and then you take another break and then you like you find, well, I kind of don't want to get back into it. You have to show up discipline. It's that it's it's when you it's when you push through the desire to not show up and you show up, dude, that's a conqueror. That's what it means to defeat something completely, right? Like you defeat the incorrect desire to procrastinate and you show up Dude, the people of God must show up. We got to be dependable. We want to be people who say what we mean and mean what we say and do what we say. You got to keep showing up as you do that, man. That's, that's, that's part of being a conqueror. That's part of follow through in, um, in second Timothy, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up here in second Timothy chapter four, uh, verse one through two, Paul says something kind of fascinating. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and all teaching. The, the highlighted part here is be ready in and out of season. Now, I've kind of looked at that as like, you know, in and out of season. You know, it's like, is that like, what is that? You know, it's like when you feel like it, don't feel like God feels far away and God feels close. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about to be ready means to be on standby. If you think about the military, the mil- if, if, if your group is on standby, that means at any moment you could be called into action, which means your boots are on 
your gear's packed, and you're ready to go. To be on standby, to be ready in and out of season means like even if you're not deployed, if you're not deployed, then you're training, right? You don't have to let your lemonade go stale. You don't have to let your fire burn out, right? Like that doesn't have to be a regular part of your life. So to be on standby, to be on standby is to always be ready, to always be in the fight, even if you're not in the fight, right? You're training, you're preparing, you're being equipped, you're getting faster, getting stronger, right? I mean, in terms of your gift, you're developing it, you're reading, you're using it, you're, you're developing it through experience and you're growing in knowledge, right? And you just, you kind of, you create uh, an environment of growth and progress and development. It just becomes a normal part of your life, right? Like eating, you always eat. It's like breathing, you always breathe, you know? As long as it's called a day, we do something that kind of helps us keep the fire lit to make forward progress, you know, to continue the development process. So to be ready in and out of season means that it's like you don't, there's no need to take like six months off (laughs) because we're talking about life here. We're talking about substance, meaning, right? And he starts this off with, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. What we do matters. And there's a ton of parables by Jesus that proves that what you do and don't do, you will be held accountable for. And it's not about fear. It's just about like the understanding that as children of God, we actually have a purpose and a role and a duty and a responsibility. And so one, you have to know what that is, right? Otherwise you have no chance of succeeding. Two, you got to then learn how to get into it, where to get into it, how to develop it. And then you got to do it and you got to follow through. So to be people who are ready in and out of season is to be people who constantly have their eye on the prize, you know, like uh, Paul talks about somewhere for his Corinthians or somewhere, you know, about like a runner, a runner runs a race to win. All right. But that means like you have the desire to compete in some kind of game and you want to achieve the victory. So that whole mentality creates the desire to create a plan and to have discipline. And as you continue to think about what it is that you want to achieve, you continue to work towards it. And even when you don't feel like it, you continue to keep to the plan because the plan is going to help get you to that desired destination or to the achievement of your goal. And that's the whole point is to achieve the goal. See, we're more than conquerors (laughs) because we win. And I'm telling you, man, if we become the people who follow through what can't we get done if 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 we through repetition right if if we become people who do what we say we're going to do and we just whatever we just get it done it, even if it takes a long time 
even if it's hard, even if we're like, crap, I don't know what to do. Even if it's like days go by and you feel like you, you've, you've made like a quarter of an inch of progress. Every, every inch, quarter inch, whatever, any progress to take ground is a victory. Taking ground is a victory. There's this quote, you know, with all this, uh, the virus, the kids are at home, and you got to do some schoolwork and stuff. We were reading in my son's history book about Thomas Edison, who said, he said, most opportunities or opportunities are missed by most people because they're dressed in overalls and look a lot like work. Opportunities are missed by most people because they're dressed in overalls and look like a, a lot of work. <laughs> you can see something, but then you think, holy cow, that's like, that'd be so uncomfortable. Like I'd actually have to change how I spent some of my time. But man, what could we do if we became the people who followed through, man? We get these divine solutions. And we turn them into reality. God, we dream these dreams inside of the mind of Christ, inside of God. These things that God wants to accomplish and through us. And we follow through. We become people that God can depend on. We could become people who are dedicated to living life on purpose. We become dedicated to being people who live with power, love, and self-control. We become people who are dedicated to leaving this world better than how we found it, to look at, have it smelling, functioning, operating more like the kingdom of heaven than, than when we first got here. If we would dare to take an undertaking, you know, like the, the Eiffel Tower or, you know, who, Solomon, right? He built the temple. I'm pretty sure that took like 13 years. That's that project requires some follow through <laughs> 13 years. Man's a need bush like that's that's a process. But what could we accomplish if we followed through on what we knew we should get into? What if we initiated forward progress through these divine strategies and solutions and we affected massive amounts of change my good peoples we could do some stuff we could create some things and we could affect some massive amounts of change so remember second timothy chapter one right we got the spirit not of fear but of power love and self-control power is the ability love is the mentality and self-control is the work ethic we've got all three things necessary to create and develop and build things that have massive amount of impact, affect change, and solve real-world problems. These are ways where people can actually taste and see what heaven is like, where they can taste and see for the first time who God actually is through what we do and create. My good peoples, we are conquerors, which means you got to get bent on some conquest 
my good peoples. Until next time, peace.